Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, I'm going to be watching the Eagles game Thursday night. And I'm a big football fan. But what I decided is I love the fact that they're on regular TV because I can sit home and watch it. Because when you go to see a game in L.A., basically, it's like fans of every different team and everybody hates Philly and then you have the Raiders fans who are idiots you have the Cowboys fans who are the idiots the Packers fans are okay they're a little bit noxious and then it's just it's awful it's like you can't sit there and just watch a game someone calls you out like because I'm an Eagles fan like oh you dog you like dog killers it's like no I'm, I'm not even like, I don't even like Michael Vick so I'm excited this Thursday I can actually sit on my couch watch the game and hopefully like I talked about in the first hour I can be caught up on the on the breaking bad because what happens is if I don't get caught up I'll go on Facebook on Sunday night, and people will tell me what happened. That's why I don't watch The Walking Dead anymore. I was watching that, and I fell behind. And I go on the Facebook one night, and they named everyone who died. I'm like, that's huh. cheating. That's such a you're just, that's jerky. So enough about that. I have a great guest, Ron Lynch. How you doing, Ron? Good. How are you? What's Good. going on? Did yeah. you now? Do you watch any of those TV shows? Or um, no, only for that reason, in a way, because I first of all, I don't have time, and um, I don't want to get hooked on a show like. Uh, well, Walking Dead, I, I'm not really into. I watched about ten episodes, and that was about it. It's weird. Some people go um, crazy on this stuff. It's, yeah. it's, it's. I mean, I, I like it, and I have no problem watching it later. But the problem is, people just ha- they have this necessity to ruin everything on <laughs> Facebook. It's not like it's not like it's a football score. If you don't right. watch a football game, you can post it. But if if it's like the Olympics, and you know they're 24 hours time difference and you're waiting to watch it and then people go oh Phelps won the gold yeah. sort of a dick move yeah yeah and Facebook is like joining everybody's brain together exactly and uh, <laughs> that could be that could have a lot of problems <laughs> it's nuts so I'm looking at your now you were born in New York right that is correct. Okay, I, mean, I, I was looking at your Wikipedia, but sometimes Wikipedia is not true because I didn't do your website. Man, I don't even. I don't. The Wikipedia page I think is was way off, so this would be funny. Well, no, I'm um, still okay. Look, it was actually I just, I, this woman took over and put pictures of me uh, do parodying this alien uh, encounters guy at CFI where I did this character, and she said I fixed your Wikipedia page, <laughs> and she put up pictures of me that don't even look like me. Yeah, it's it's you with Frank Conniff. That's a picture oh, right here. Yeah, and then there's right. one presenting the uh, the annual Skeptic Award. Right. It's so silly. It's like that, something I don't even do, really. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you you're what 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 got you into comedy? I mean, as a kid, were you fascinated? Because so many different comedians you talk are fascinated by comedy or fascinated by TV. What I mean, as a kid, did you ever think you'd end up in this business? No, of course not. I mean, you don't think about it. Um, you don't plan on anything. I mean, I planned on being a geologist. That's what my plan was. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I had a plan. I'm not really sure. I mean, I have a geology degree and a theater degree. So somewhere in the middle, I switched around and um, kept taking, like the last year of geology was insane because all I needed was three more classes, but I didn't want to take them. Right. And they were the hardest classes possible. Um, that doesn't answer your question particularly. No, no, but no, it's actually uh, funny is that we need that, with that degree because it's a very... Uh, across the board with the theater and geology, it's very it's yeah, very nothing, different. Yeah, no, it is very different. I mean, there's the the rock opera joke. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they're very different. There was no there was no crossover courses. No, yeah, that's what, no, it's amazing. It's like sometimes you go, I can see you know economics and you know whatever law, but that's just that's just amazing. Yeah, that, some double majors are pretty right. easy to do. <laughs> that's a great yeah. though. That's that's you're yeah. the first person I've met who is a uh, a geologist geologist theater major. Well, the funny thing is, I wouldn't even say I'm a geologist anymore because I I went out to Death Valley and I'm looking at all the stuff out there, and there's some great geology in Death Valley. There's everything. 
and I could not bring it into my head like what I was looking at. That's amazing. It's so funny because well, we all change as we get old. Like my degree is in business management, and you know. I think every guy who doesn't really know what he wants to do right. when he's in college will right. go business management because you know. And I, I went to a very cool school down in New Jersey where, like, some of my classes were like volcanoes and uh, death and grieving and just different uh. stuff because it was a very liberal arts school called Stockton uh-huh. in New Jersey, and it was it was in its own campus. So it was like you're in the Pine Barrens, and there's like a two or three mile road to get to the campus. So it was a huh. self sufficient campus. So it was right. you really just you just really experience life. Right now, where'd you go? to college uh, I went to state schools in New York because I had a scholarship so I um, went to Potsdam which I originally went to to go to music school and I auditioned for the Crane School of Music like the number three music school to play drums I should say percussion Okay. and um, a friend of mine who played keyboards and he was a much better musician than me didn't get in and I got in so I went to school there and it was all the way at the top of New York State 30 degree below weather sometimes uh-huh. and um, after a week of those music classes I went, no, this is not what I wanted to do. I really just wanted to play drums. That's funny. Because <laughs> they probably get very into like the, this is why you do this. And you're like, no, I just Oh, yeah, to, there's all kinds drum. of music theory and technical, you know, <laughs> it's a very scientific edge of music. And uh, it's a great music school, but I I luckily immediately knew I didn't want to do that and changed all my classes. Now, were you? did you perform in high school? And did, did you play? I mean, when did you start playing drums? In probably fourth grade, something like that. Did And yeah. was there a reason you heard a drummer? I mean, what what, what brought you into it? No, I actually I wanted to play trumpet, and uh, they told me my teeth weren't good for trumpet, so I just went, um, "All right, drums." So you just love so, it. So yeah, it's funny how something like that I could be a trumpet player right now. That's so weird because me, but, it's like I when I was when I was younger, I wanted to play trumpet. And I just couldn't get the right noise out of it, and the uh-huh. mouthpiece in a trombone was bigger, and no one played the trombone, so they taught me to play the trombone. I only played for like two years, and my dad played the sax, and I just sucked at the sax. I really <laughs> couldn't get the like the read down. It's you uh-huh. right. It's like you you know play drums because your teeth. Right. But that's awesome. Right. But then I went to the orthodontist, and my teeth are fine now. I could probably start playing trumpet, you know. <laughs> so you're as a kid, or were you in bands in, in high school and stuff? Yeah, I was in the uh, high school band, an orchestra, and um, orchestra was pretty fun, you know. Got to play timpani and all the melodic instruments. I was more playing those, I guess, in the percussion section because nobody really wanted to play those. Um, I would always take the dregs of whatever was left. Okay. But timpani is great. I mean, that, you know. Is that the big ones? Those boom, are the big boom. kettle drums, yeah. Oh, they're great. Yeah. Um, and you're also the loudest when you're playing them. That's always good. <laughs> so you, uh, were you were you in any rock bands, like, when you were younger? I, I didn't. I didn't, wasn't in too many bands throughout. You know, I kind of played drums up to the up to the college years, just being in the high school bands. Never was in a band. Um, and in college, I think I was in a band for three months. when I, I went to Binghamton after Potsdam, and I was in a uh band for maybe three months or something but then we were all in different colleges in the area we couldn't practice that makes so <laughs> um so that broke up and i don't think i played in a band again until recently that's crazy how you come back to it so so you you're you graduate college graduated college and what do you do then do you get a job in geology i have a useless master's in theater it's not even an mfa it's a master's i don't even know what that's good for it probably teaching grammar school t- theater or something i don't know um yeah so what happened after graduation i um at that point i had i was doing radio with uh an old friend from high school um and we were doing radio together because it was easier to get a radio show together and we wound up being a 
pretty cool show that everybody listened to at midnight and uh we did sketches and music and took phone calls and stuff and it was a really fun time and uh we decided to try to do comedy so we went into the one of the lounges one night in binghamton uh, in binghamton and did i can't it was over two hours the show we did in comedy like just doing stand up and stuff just the two of us that's that's amazing (laughs) though because most people can't even get like five minutes that's like your first night on stage that's amazing oh i'm sure all of it was great um (laughs) it was (laughs) i can't believe it was that long so i think we performed twice and then we kind of got the bug it just has to you know you just have to get those laughs the first time and then you're hooked uh but uh we he moved to boston for his airline job so we were going to go there for a year and then move to New York and do comedy, but we stayed in Boston for 10 years, and Boston's comedy scene was just great. Yeah, I mean, great. I've heard. It's like I've had people on the show who, you know, said that Boston, at one point, I mean, it was insane. Like, it was like Lenny Clark, Steve Sweeney, you know, all those people. Yeah, Steve Wright, um, Paula Poundstone, Goldthwaite. Um, it was just, I mean, that, those were all over a period of time. Janine Garofalo. Now, were you guys, when you went up there, were you still a comedy team? Yeah, we, we were a comedy team. We probably performed for another seven years or so as a comedy team. What was the name? Bob and Ron. Okay. And um, because of that, we often got, especially on the radio reviews we would get, we were compared to Bob and Ray. Okay. Because we were doing sketches. I, there was really no other comparison. Those Which guys, people, if you don't know who Bob and Ray is, they're, a, they're a, an old school, great comedy team. In fact, uh, Bob is uh, Bob, Chris Elliott's dad. Right, Chris right. Elliott's dad is one of those guys, yeah. And... Uh, they were phenomenal. They were just great. And they used to do uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson all the time with really absurd, pretty absurd sketches. It's so funny to see some of the stuff. And it's it's when back then people were like, what the hell? And now it's common ground. But there are some people who were so before their time, you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you don't see too many comedy teams anymore. I mean, you wouldn't make any money doing that. Yeah. That's one reason. But uh, I always found that a lot of people in those days would be in a comedy team for a while just to get your chops a little bit and then you would split up and do separate acts you know? well, I think that happens because I think sometimes people are just uh, sometimes you're scared to get on stage and it's like right. and if you know something then it's it's that that's that like I after I got out of comedy for a long time and then I'm back in it now but I I was in a sketch comedy trip that I wrote in Hollywood a few years back about 10 years ago and for me it was so easy because it was an hour show but sketches are only five minutes so if the crowd doesn't mm-hmm. like you and that character you can blame it on the other person in a sketch, but <laughs> yeah. if they don't like you and you have to do 40 minutes of your own and they don't like you, then you just sit there and you look at your watch and you start sweating and you look at your watch and you start talking faster and you, you, get, right. you get freaked. Yeah, Dave Chappelle did that recently because the audience was talking so much. You know, that that's sort of, and you, you perform, doesn't that sort of disrespectful when people just get out of line? I mean, what's your feeling towards it's hecklers? It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, the, the club should be monitored, you know, in a way. I mean, it's one thing if there's... A couple of people yelling stuff out, and um, they're kind of ruining the show for everybody else. And then that, in that case, the crowd usually shuts those people up themselves because right. they want the show to happen. I think this case with Dave was that it was just really noisy, and people were and, drinking. And, and, and there's no respect for the show. You know, it's like that. That's it's theater. It is theater, and you're supposed to be paying attention to the act that you came to pay a lot of money to see. Right, well, it's funny you say that. It's like when we were talking before we came on about Phil Van Tee and at the Magic Castle. Yeah. Well, it's me, me and my girlfriend's first time there and we see this girl and she's, you can tell she's belting them back you know, uh-huh. and she's her and her. There's a lot of drinking there. Yeah, and there's a big, it was like a big business convention. So this girl, I guess with her boy, I don't know, but we go in and 
she starts like heckling him, and I'm like, I'm getting pissed, you know, because if you're a comic, it's one thing, yeah. but you came to the Magic Castle. I'm wearing a jacket and tie. Everyone's wearing a jacket and tie. Right. You don't expect someone to sit there, and she's like, eh, and then he goes, well, hold the dollar bill, and she puts it down, or sh- and it's like, it's like, it's disgusting because it's like we're here. You're ruining the show. Right. That's what He's trying to party. Right. While wow, he's doing a show, and it's just, it's <laughs> disgusting. It's like you know, because you pay to get in, and you know, it's crazy. So, so you're in Boston. You're in a comedy team now. Right. Are you are you getting up on stage a lot then? Because I know I heard there's tons of stage time back then. Yeah, we were performing a lot, and uh, there was a lot of road gigs, and they were the worst road gigs in the world. And when I moved to California, somebody would say, "God, oh, it's horrible. It's just the worst gig ever." And it was only bad because you were in the middle of a disco floor, and it was really quiet. Right. <laughs> like, there's nobody yelling at you or throwing things, you know. And in Boston, you're at a bar in the middle of Massachusetts somewhere. That's uh, true. I mean, crazy. I, used, I used to work from uh, there was some a guy named John Schuler used to book us. He was out of a, he did a club in Connecticut, The Last Laugh. Uh-huh. But he had these one-nighters, and you pull into, like, New Canaan, and you walk into, like, a thing that's converted <laughs> as a barn. And they don't even know there's comedy. And you go, uh, and you're we're the comics. They're like, what? And you're like, oh, God. And so like, well, can someone introduce us? And, you know, it would be a two-man <laughs> show, and I'd use the open and so would headline. And, uh, okay, the show's about to start. Okay. Just go up on stage. And you're like, I just have to go up on stage and start yeah. the show. I know. No, I love looking back on it because I can, and I, I don't have to really do that much anymore. But yeah, wow. It, I think it. I think it made, it made us like. I think it made everyone stronger comics, though, because it was just you. You sat there and you just did your time and had to get through it. Right. So, what was one of your worst hell gigs you did back then? You know, I get you get that question, but I could. I don't get, know. I really don't have one isolated <laughs> thing. I mean, I had a, a beer thrown at me once. That was all that happened. That was bad, and it was it was at UMass Amherst. Okay. And uh, we were doing a bit where um, we had some pretty silly bits, but I would go into, we would do like monster movie takeoffs. And one was the creature who ate cocktail napkins. And I would go into the crowd and start eating cocktail napkins and just yelling at people and screaming and stuff. And while I was out there, some guy like kind of threw a, threw a beer at me in a cup. And um, we kept doing our act. And then we realized we had to get this guy. He threw a beer at me. Right. Okay, we can't just let it sit there. <laughs> so um, we're they know that we're out to get this guy because he's still sitting in the audience. And somebody comes up to us and goes, hey, um, I'm really sorry about that guy throwing the beer, but he just broke up with his girlfriend, and he didn't know what he was doing. It was like a complete rationalization for it. And I went, oh, okay. I guess it's okay. Then. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, because that's, maybe that's why his girlfriend broke and up not, with him. I'm not very pugilistic, but we really – my partner was – totally pissed and he was going to get the guy you know and I went, uh. so you're doing the comedy team and you're getting you're getting work and you're going on the road now um did you ever move to new york as a comedy team no we um he wound up getting married he took the, we flipped the coin and he took the normal life uh route so he got married and stayed uh in a- ashland near framingham um has two great kids now the whole deal and um he's a great guy bob lamont and uh so I wound up just, I was trying to leave Boston for three years, trying to get out of Boston because as a solo act, I wasn't known as a solo act. So it was really a lot of work for me in a way. Um, But then I wound up, I had my own comedy club. I wound up teaching at Emerson for a year. And then they wanted me to stay there and have a comedy department and everything. And it was the hardest decision ever because that was a pretty good job. Oh, yeah, of course. And I would have been there forever, you know. And I went, no, I want to perform. I really, you know. 
That was one of the best decisions I ever made, I think. You know what's I'm a, not making any money now, but But yeah. they still that was a great decision. I mean, you, yeah. you know what's amazing about Emerson? It's so funny that you know there's so there's so many comics that went there. Like there's like like whenever I see on Facebook, like I I made a, I was joking cuz uh, Jade Cata Prado was on last week. Oh, yeah. She yeah. went to Emerson. Uh-huh. And I so one time posted on Facebook, I said, "Hey, I wonder if I can find a comic that went to Emerson cuz there's a ton of them." Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Harris Whittles, uh, there's a whole bunch of great writers too that went there. Um, they turned out a lot of good comedy, and people always ask. I heard interviews with those people, and they would go, "So, how what was the comedy department like?" And there really wasn't a comedy department. I mean, after I left, this guy Mike Bent took over, and he teaches sketch and I think writing comedy writing too. Uh, but there's still no real department. It's just a bunch of sketch groups that people perform in, and then they compete with each other. That's funny. So, so you left, decided to leave, and then now you, you, you finally left. Uh, a lot of my friends were, had left town, went to San Francisco and New York, and I went to New York, and you have to pass at the clubs in New York before you decide to move there, because otherwise you you might not get into the clubs. So I had passed at, like, Catch Rising Star at the time, Comic Strip, uh, Comedy Cellar, so I went down there, and that's when comedy went to, like, four in the morning. Right. There were, there were shows to four in the morning, and I would start, my sets would be start at midnight, and gradually they kept moving me later and later where I'm performing for the waitresses, waitstaff, and everything, you know. And, and I left, I looked at my calendar um, after that year, and six months out of that year, I had left town to make money to pay for my rent. Okay. Because <laughs> you can't make money in New York unless, you know, you're one of three guys that travel around a lot and make, you know, five times 20 bucks, you know. Yeah, exactly. So uh, where, would you, where would you travel at that time? Just back I would go Boston. back up to Boston and do road gigs. Um, there was some road stuff out of there. Um, uh, and then I got a call from the uh, San Francisco Comedy Competition uh, called me up and asked me to do it. And I said, I really can't afford to do it. And then they, gave, they said, we'll give you a week of work before that. And they featured me immediately. Like, I never opened up. I was never an opening act, which was pretty great. Um, and then I went out there and did that. Loved San Francisco and uh, loved the comedy scene. A lot of my friends have moved there, and so I was in New York for a year, and I wanted to get out of there, so I uh, moved to San Francisco. I now, who was who? Who were some of like the guys that you were friends with in San Francisco? Uh, well, I moved there because I mean, Gulfweight and Paula Poundstone had been there, uh, but they pretty much they kind of moved after I was only there for a little while. So most of my friends were out of San Francisco, like Lankin Earl, this guy Jim Earl, and. Barry Lank. Um, uh, I formed a, a comedy uh, sketch group after about a year and a half, and Margaret Cho was in the group. Okay. And, uh, uh, nobody else, I think, that you would know. Like, everybody else didn't go on. Um, a lot of them became writers. Uh, but I was at the Holy City Zoo, which was just the funkiest little comedy club, but it was I've so much fun. And, uh, and Robin would come in occasionally, you know, and... Uh, it's pretty crazy. There's no pressure whatsoever because there usually was like seven people in the audience. So it was a great club to write material. So you were doing it up there, and then you did sketches. So you were you were really involved in the comedy community up there. Yeah, I always always try to make something happen. You know, um, I for some miraculous reason avoided a real job ever since Boston. Okay, well, even that's in good. Boston for a while I did. You know, um, I was actually on the bus. I went to Macy's to get a temp job. I got off the bus. And I was walking towards the door, and I went. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I walked. I don't, it's so, it's so crazy to think that I did that. But I went home, and the phone rang, and it was somebody with three weeks of work. So See, it was like a miracle. You there know? you go. It happens. It's, it's weird. It happens like that. It's just yeah. weird how stuff happens. So, so you're in you're in San Fran now. When do you decide to move down here? 
Um, well, it was 97, but it was uh, the reasoning was like, think like three clubs closed in San Francisco, and I was traveling up and down the five, auditioning and doing shows down here um, so much that it was just a pain in the neck. You know, I just I, the five is good about three times. Right. And then the fourth time, it, the philosophy is wearing out, and it's just a horrible road. Um, so I moved. I mean, I moved because most of the people I knew moved also. And um, there was opportunities down here. Um, I can't remember what they were when I first moved here. I don't remember what I wound up doing. But um, um, I, think they, I think I was doing uh, cartoons at the time. I might have been doing home movies or something. And we could have, I could record, I could travel to Boston and do it, and then I was just recording them here. So you were recording cartoons? Yeah. Okay. Now, did you did you do the animation, the voice? Or did you do everything, or? Oh no, just the voice. Yeah. Okay. So um, now, did you do? Because you have a good voice, you have a nice deep voice. Did uh, how did you get into the voice work? Did someone say, hey, you know, you should do uh, voice stuff? It's weird. I mean, I, I ask get asked all the time, how do I get into it? But I, I kind of lucked into it in a way because I first did Doctor Katz, okay, as myself, you know. But I wrote bits for that show. I, I, I did things where I avoided getting into the, onto the couch, and then when I was on the couch, I avoided answering questions. Um, and then they, I was a regular on the show. I would fill in if somebody's stuff wasn't that great, or if there was extra time on the show, they would take segments of stuff that I had recorded and just put them on the show to fill it up. That show is so different back then. I still remember, like, we had never, I'd never seen the squiggly lines. Like, it was just... It was it a was, brand new show in many ways. Yeah, it, was it was so great. cool, though. It was, like, yeah. it was, like, different. It was, like, I mean, it's so funny. You think now it's, like, animation has grown so much. But, like, that was just basic animation, but it was just funny. And it was, right. it was like, and it, it looked like the people, but not... Squiggle vision. Yeah, it yeah, was awesome. Yeah. Now, did, you, did people you, hated it? Some people hated it. I know. Some people like, <laughs> like, my, like my dad before he passed away. My my dad had a thing where he'd be like, if he, I, "I can't watch that. It bothers my eyes." But of course, he's the type who goes, "I don't like David Brenner." I'm like, right. "Why?" He goes, "I don't. I don't like his face." And, uh, and then I don't like Seinfeld. Why? I, I don't like his face. It reminds me of David Brenner. And uh, just some uh, people watch it. But, yeah. So now, did you know Jonathan Katz? Is that how you got to, involved in the show? Or yeah, I knew him before I did the cartoon from um, Boston. Or? Yeah. From Boston, yeah, just performing around, and uh, so I did that show. And then that production company went on to do um, home movies, which is it was a. It, it's still I still have eighteen year old people walk up to me and say, "Hey, you're in home movies, right?" And the thing has been dead for I don't know how long, probably ten years at this point. It's the internet. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's the internet. It's DVDs. Um, uh, it's a pretty funny show because we would have a script, and we would do record the script. But then we would just go off the script. We would ad lib like our characters in in the context of the script, and quite often that's what they would use. And then they came up with a, uh, I think it was trademarked uh, thing called uh, retro scripting, and then they would write the script up from what we said. Okay. Because you have to give the ne the network a script. They have to know what's going to happen. So um, it was super fun. That cartoon was super fun. And then that cartoon got me another kids' cartoon on Saturday morning. So it was that company. And now Bob's Burgers is produced by a guy from that cartoon, and I do that show. Now, what, what voice do you do on that show? I play the uh, assistant food inspector. Okay, because <laughs> I, I watched, I've watched it every once in a while. It's one of those things, because as I was saying earlier, Sundays are so full of TV right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's just, you sit there and you go, mm -hmm. oh, wait a second. And, it's, and you, you need to cleanse your 
mind and watch something funny. You know right. I mean? But then you get stuck in that whole animation on Fox, and then you like Family Guy, and you like The Simpsons, and you like Bob, and then Cleveland, and you're like, all of a sudden you're going, well, now i got to watch these other shows, so it's crazy. Yeah, and Bob's Burgers is like right between Family Guy right. and Simpsons, so it's in a great position. <laughs> now, do, do they call you a lot to do that? Or, I mean, how does that work? Will they just call No, you? they don't call me enough. But do they if call you're you? listening, call me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do they call you like the last minute? Go, hey, we need you for the script, or do you know in advance? Oh no, you know in advance. I mean, they write the script, and then you know, like a week ahead of time, your agent calls you and says they want you to do a table read, and then you do the table read, and then they see how that goes, and they make the recording session within like five days of that. And um, they tried to actually, they wanted to use me more, so they tried to have my character have odd jobs in town like want to want to not get have be the assistant food inspector anymore so i was one show i was a private detective so one of the kids could borrow my equipment and the reading went great got a lot of laughs uh didn't get a notice of the recording session and then that was tuesday and then friday i get an email saying basically that um fox thought it was too confusing to have me have other jobs and See, so it was dro- it was dropped. You know that always cracks me up. I was talking about someone this the other night, and uh, Law and Order SVU is a show. I, I mean, people know it. And the one girl one time played like this rich girl. Her and her friends raped a guy. Okay, so she's the criminal. She gets stuck in jail. Right. And like four years later, they hire her as the assistant DA. <laughs> and it's like, wait a second. You know, you sit there and you watch these shows sometimes, and you go, I can. I mean, yes. I can believe, you know, suspending animation. We know you're not really this or that. Right. But it's like that. It's like, wait a second. She can't be. I mean, it's just crazy. And for the voice, it's like, do people really? I mean, people don't think sit there and will go, oh, well, uh, well, Ron was this guy. But now he's, I mean, people don't pay attention. We have such right. sort of attention. I was the same time. character with a different job. If that makes any difference. Okay, but that should be the thing. That's, that's fine. And it's also saying that I can't do any other voices. <laughs> but I can. Look at this voice. You know, I get so crazy. Now, do you do your do you do your norm, do you just do this voice when you do it, or do you have to? I do it, but there's some there's a little bit of acting involved in that. I'm either slower or um, there, there's something about the character that changes the way I talk. I think a little bit. Yeah. Now, do you, do you enjoy it? Most people I know who do I love it. love it. Oh, I love it. Are you kidding? Voiceover is the best job ever. You go in for whatever it is, 45 minutes. You go in. And in this case, there's a script. They do the same thing. You're allowed to ad lib on the thing. So it has a great feel to it. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's the best job ever because you do it. You're gone. You're, you, your paycheck comes. And, you know, if you're on a, a sitcom, you're there all week. You're learning your part. You're being directed. You have to be in a certain place. You have to stand a certain way. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, no, it's the best. So you, you said when you came down to L.A., you, you got into the, you know, because Dr. Katz and stuff like that, and you got into different work. Were you doing stand-up a lot when you got down here? Yeah, I was doing stand-up a lot more than I am now. I mean, I was... That's, was, it at the, was it at the main clubs, or was it... At, or, no, it was the... It was, what was called the alternative scene. Okay. I mean, it was, you know, I would, I passed at the Laugh Factory and I went a couple of times and it just, it wasn't my bag, as they say. The audience is great, but they're almost too good. They're, they laugh at setups and things, you know. That always threw me off. And, it's, it's like the Ice House in Pasadena. I say, oh, the Ice House is great too. Yeah. yeah if, if, you can, if, you, if you go to the Ice House main room and you don't have yeah. a good set, get, uh. get out of comedy. <laughs> Just get out because it's true. You sit yeah. there and you go, you walk up on stage and they start laughing and it's and for yeah. you're, it's amazing and it's like, but then it's true. You sit there and go, people, these are 
it throws you off. It's yeah. like you're not supposed to laugh at the setup. The Ice House is pretty great, though. I mean, they're pretty friendly it's there, great. and everybody, yeah. Um, but I'm going back to the improv now a lot more, and I'm going to be headlining there, I think. Oh, soon. really? And uh, they, they've kind of come around in a way, and they have a new guy booking the room. They've changed the whole setup, which is a little disconcerting because I love the way it used to be. I was never in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mark Mark Lana was on the show. He was on. Oh, yeah. He was on a while ago. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, he was saying they were going through a change, and so it just it changed completely. Yeah, they got rid of uh, the Improv Lab, which used to be this little theater right next to the Improv in the at the end of the parking lot, and that used to be like the experimental space, and it was great because people they had all kinds of weird shows in there. But now that's been completely eliminated. And that's now the entrance to the improv where you, you come in and there's a bar there so people can hang out instead of hanging out outside on the sidewalk, which is good. And money-wise, it's, it's a great idea. But, but the way that, you know, you, you get rid of all the way the club used to be in a way too. Um, and then people enter through the back door now, back of the club. Okay. And then the front's going to be, instead of the old bar and their restaurant, it's going to be a, a, a Umagi, what is it called? Not Burger. Ooh, umami, umami, umami burger. burger. Yeah, I went to the umami burger for the first time in Burbank, uh-huh. and uh, it was good, but I was a little irritated. Now, tell me if I'm I'm not wrong on this. Just, just you, because you're a smart man. My girlfriend, someone gave my girlfriend because she's moving out a gift card. Some she had a going away party back east. Uh-huh. So we give them this new place in Burbank. We give them the gift card, and then the guy comes back, and the waiter's like, "I don't know if we can take the gift card." I'm like, "Well, wait a second. She sent an email because you have to send an email to activate it." And they go, yeah, we're not set up for the gift card. I go, yeah, but our bill, it's a $50 gift card. Our bill is 41 We're going to give you the tip. And he's like, I know. So the manager comes. He goes, okay, well, you know, you, uh, we, we're not set up for gift cards yet. And I said, well, is he going to get a tip? And he goes, probably not. So my feeling is they shorted us 9 bucks on our gift card. My girlfriend sent an email. They never got back to us. Wow. Isn't Wait, that crazy? Is it specific? Gift card to that restaurant? No. No, it's because they're new and they've been open for four weeks, but they haven't set this for some reason. They haven't set their system up to take a gift card. Well, then don't give gift cards. It's a gift card to that restaurant for Umami. And they would- yeah, and so no, because the system's not set up. So I told my girlfriend, I said, and I gave the guy a tip because the waiter was not. Well, it wasn't the waiter's fault, but my girlfriend sent him an email. You think they would get back? They ripped. They wouldn't up. take it yet. That's crazy. They, they, I mean, I'm sure they comped the bill because. Yeah. But then the waiter doesn't get a tip on that. But the guy went. I mean, I. But wouldn't you think they would send you back on? We owe you nine dollars. Oh on your yeah, gift yeah, card? yeah. Never heard of anything. Wow. So. Yeah, it's not like two dollars. I know. It's like it's almost ten bucks, and yeah. it's, it's a gift card. Someone gave us that. Right. So I was just so they're opening an umami burger. I would never eat there again. No, I was thinking about if she got an email, I would be like, but it's a really good burger. It was yeah. a really. I mean, I don't eat a lot of red meat, but it was a really good burger. Uh, so the improv. So you you're you're getting in there more. Did you have, did you went back? The audience was, is different now too. The audience is pretty great, and um, um, it's a younger audience, and they are they're open to anything. I think. Whereas I think it was, uh, it's we it used to be really touristy to, in my mind, or. I think the late night shows on Saturday and Friday are kind of still kind of the same group of people in the audience, but um, the audience has changed. Uh, the club is fun. I just did a show. I did a show with Brendan Small, and he had a band in there, and Craig was on the show. It's Craig Anton, and um, it, the audience was just great. They got everything. They really got everything. They understood what we were doing, you know. And it's like sometimes if you're doing something a little off center, the audience just sits there. But, right. Um, I've had a good set, you know. I've I avoided it for a while, and then I went. All right, I'll, I'll do a set on your show, and it was fun. So the, you were, you said you were involved in a big alternative scene. Now there seems like there was a lot of guys. Like it was just a different 
group of comics. Was that was that very refreshing when you did that? Because like, I know like Tompkins was involved in that and Frank Connick. Yeah, I think that. the difference. I think the alternative to me, the alternative scene meant that you could do anything that was funny on that night in that place. You know, it didn't have to be jokey joke uh, right. constantly. You know. And, um, I have a lot of physical stuff in my act. Um, people ask me if I have a CD, and I go, "No, I don't. I don't have a lot of jokes. You right. know, I, I do a lot of funny things." But, um, but yeah, the alternative scene it was great. Everyone was great. Um, there was a lot of places to perform, um, and a lot of the places had all kinds of stand-up. I mean, they were called alternative, but the people were still doing comedy there that do comedy in the clubs and right. stuff. Um, there's a crossover, you know. Um, there wasn't like a line where, oh, you're an alternative comic. Get out of here. Exactly. <laughs> How now? You said you do a lot of physical stuff. How did you come into doing the physical comedy? Were you a fan of physical comedy? Or, cause yeah, I think so. It's very hard to do. I think so. I think I'm a big fan of it. I mean, uh, that would be one reason I think that you do something. You try to emulate things, you know. People say there's no original comedy. I don't know who those people are. but uh, Right. Uh, yeah, it all comes from somewhere. I mean, I was a big Laurel and Hardy fan when I was growing up. And uh, speaking of which, I um, this guy Chuck McCann, who used to do uh, kids shows in New York. Did you know him? Let's Have Fun. Did you ever Wait, hear of that show? Chuck McCann. Was he bald? No. I'm thinking of a different guy, Jim McGann out of Florida. Okay, no. Yeah, he was a local New York guy, I think, <laughs> doing kids shows. And Sandy Becker was one of them. And, um, and I grew up watching him. Anyway, I'm like friends with him now, which is like one of these surreal Hollywood things that happen to people, you know. How'd you meet him? He, I met him a couple. I saw him at the improv one night, um, and he seemed kind of in a sharp mood, so I, I didn't know that was him. I said, you know, I, I grew up watching you, man. I saw you on the island. I went to the premiere of your movie. Uh, it was why I do cartoons now. And I thought he was like sharp, being sharp with me. But I think that's just part of his personality, and I look back, and he, he's never been like that with me again. I had performed something at the improv. He called me over to his table. I did, like, this weird magician and hypnotist character, and he just loved it, and I talked to him for a while, and Bud Friedman then hired me to um, go. He said, Will you, would you go to Las Vegas and do that bit? It was, like, six minutes of this weird hypnotist um, before the show, and I'll put you up and feed you. And I went, um, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, and he calls me the next day. Okay, you're going next week. Um, what do you mean I'm going next week? I can't go next week. I have two voiceover things. No, you're going. Strange, fix those. I'm going, so I want you to be there. So he, I did, for a week, I did this character. For, he introduced me out of the audience the first two nights um, as like a, the son of a hypnotist. And it, it was so much fun doing it. And I get back, and he still winds up paying me a thousand bucks, you know. Okay, you can't be that. What a great gig. Anyway, that's a side story. But uh, so that's how I kind of met Chuck. And he became a fan of mine and vice versa. Didn't see him for the longest time. And I had a ventriloquist on my t tomorrow show, which is that midnight show that I do on Saturdays. And um, she said, hey, my, ch my friend Chuck McCann's coming. Can you hold the show a little bit? I went, Chuck McCann, the kids show host? And she went, yeah, yeah. So he gets on the phone with me with directions and everything. He shows up, and I went, Chuck, I never asked you to come to this show because it's at midnight. And he goes, Ron, I'm up till 4. <laughs> He's 79 as of wow. like last week. That's awesome, though. And we're doing stuff together. We're going to like make ske do sketches. We record he has a studio in his house. Isn't that cool? <laughs> it's so funny. It's it's weird things. Like, like Even for me, like I, I had Robbie Benson on my show. Uh -huh. And I remember as a kid, man, I, 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 he's, I mean, he's six years older than me, but I remember 
loving that movie One on One, you know, the basketball movie. Uh-huh. And then years later, he's sitting there in the cross the studio, and he still looks great, but he's got long yeah. hair now, and I go to him, but I'm like, <laughs> it's just, he looks completely different. He said he's had five, four open heart surgeries. A lot of wow. He, had, he has a screwed up valve. Wow. But, um, yeah, it's just weird how you meet people. Like, you met this guy, and now you're working together, and it's just so yeah, weird. Yeah, he's co-hosted the show with me, and he, he has puppets, too. And when I was a kid, I thought somebody else operated the puppets, and he just talked to them. But he helped design the puppets and operate the puppets and do voices of them. That's cool. So one of the shows, he co-hosted with me as puppets. And I was standing next to the puppets, like on the stage, looking, talking to the puppets. And I realized this is exactly what he did on his show. And, and I'm doing it now. That's cool. It's kind of surreal. So you said the Tomorrow Show. Now, now that's been going on for a long time, right? Um, yeah, eight years as of July. And now it's July. every week or every other week? It's or? every week. It's always, it's always been every week. We've occasionally taken weeks off for Christmas or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we started it, we started with Craig Anton and, and uh, Brendan Small. The three of us started it. And then a few years later, they dropped it and I just kept it going. And it's at the? It's at the Steve Allen Theater. Okay. And it's a variety show. And occasionally it's a show with a theme. Um, like this Saturday, it's, we don't do much stand-up, but this Saturday, there's a, it's like, it's the five minutes or die show. And, a lot of people get lights, and you only you have a five-minute show, but on our show, the lights and the mic go out. Okay. So nobody can do more than five minutes. That's great, though. And it's great for the crowd, because yeah. they know nobody's doing more than five yeah. minutes. And see, that's I used to host a show at Flappers called Cooper's Angels, and it was all female comics, and there was, I would host it. Oh, I remember that. And I, and I sat there, and I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes you get, you know, and you're, you're, when, you, when you're hosting it, and you put the show together, you wear it. You, know, you, you don't want people to go over, you know, because you sit there and you watch, and you don't want to do that. So the last <laughs> thing you want to do is look at the clock, but you yeah. have to. So you look at the clock, and then you give them the light, and like half them, they ignore it. And then someone's like, well, she doesn't see that good. And I'm like, I'm legally blind of one eye, and <laughs> I, I see the light whenever I go, and I've never run the light my whole right. thing. And it's just, it's, that's what's great with your idea, because it's yeah. like people who are going to run the light, it's just like, boom. They used to be in Philadelphia, that one Comedy Factory outlet, the open mic. At the end, like if a guy kept going, they would just turn the house lights off, and then then the MC would go <laughs> off and go a new meaning to five effing minutes. It was always the stock line. Yeah. So so yeah, this, God forbid you do television and oh, yeah. you do too long. I know. So you uh, so has the show the show start? It's, it's that's a long time, eight years. That's very cool. Yeah, and you know it's like one of the things I love doing, and I and it keeps me going a little bit. You know, um, the toughest, the time consuming thing is booking the show is getting people to book it, you know, as I try to book things at least a month ahead of time, but that's impossible sometimes. Yeah. Well, and I have like, bands too. I have bands. Um, if anybody's in a band, contact me because we love bands. Um, so it's cool. So it's, it's, it breaks up. Does the music go first or how does it work? The standard non-theme show is a band plays for like 15 to 20 minutes and then there's a bunch of acts. <coughs> and I have a, try to have a semi-famous co-host. And a lot of times I don't want to know them very well because I want to just co-host with them and have it be kind of fresh. Right, okay. Um, and then there's Dave Higgins who co-hosts with me a lot. Frank Conoff used to co-host, but he moved to New York. Um, and Craig Anton comes in again occasionally and co-hosts with me. All those me. guys have been on the show. Dave has this funny. Yeah. I got, you know, John Matta. I don't know if you know John Matta. John Matta, yeah. John, me and we're him, friends in Philly. Actually, we're friends still now. But he got me Dave Higgins. He's got me a few guests. Because uh-huh. in fact, me and my girlfriend went out with John and Rose, his wife, for dinner a while ago. Which huh. is funny. I've known oh, Matta. Wow. I've known John, John since 1990. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, I, he was down here when I was visiting down here a lot. He, he was he was in the same group of people hanging out. Yeah. So okay, uh, I'm looking at your resume now. You you did Tim and Eric's uh, awesome show. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, now what was that like? Because my, my old girlfriend's son used to watch that, and the show cracked me up. But it's so out there. But it just it made me laugh. Well, that show I've only done a maybe five times. But then I was on Tom Goes to the Mayor, which was their show before that. Okay. I, I was one of the councilmen with Craig Anton. Actually, it was the two of us played the three guys, um, and then went on to do that show. And it's it was pretty fun. It's pretty fun. I knew those guys up at that at the point, you know, and. Um, I can't even remember what, uh, what characters I played. I think I did an infomercial thing where it was some kind of exercise device. Okay, it's just, but the writing is just so bizarre on that show. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, it's weird. I'd say um, I go back and forth on it because I, I think it's not – it's comedy in the sense of um, being completely absurd and just and weird. Right. And that can be bad. But in a way, they created the whole Adult Swim theory of uh, Cartoon Network, and a lot of the cartoons now are based on that kind of comedy. You know, though there, there's a lot of writing. I, I, you know, I can't say there's not a lot of really good writing that is really funny on those shows. But but sometimes uh, you sit there and go, "What the hell are they talking about?" I mean, sit, you, yeah, you sit there and yeah. you think you know human, and you'll laugh and laugh. Then you go, "Wait a second, where did this? Where did it go with that?" It's just it cracks me up. Right. It's very and it's funny as it's. I, it's, People laugh at it because it's so weird. Yeah, and, and if, I, I don't know what their target market. I know there's like younger kids who watch it, but I think it's more for like old. It's like it reminds me of like when I was in college. You know, we would sit there. Yeah, I think it's college. I th- definitely yeah, think it's college. Because yeah. like, the difference is like when I was in college. You know, pe- you get high and you watch Letterman, and back yeah. then there's nothing like Letterman. You know, yeah. you, it was different. You know, who saw people jump at the Velcro? Right. You know, and now it's like what and adults are like. <laughs> what the hell is this crap you're watching? But for me, it's just it's different. Yeah. So now you, I know you had to change. It's so funny because you said about booking your show. Because I always try to book my show. And we had to change uh, a few weeks ago. You, got, you had to do a funny or die thing. Right. Now, do you do a lot of work with them? Um, no. No. I mean, they, I'm on their list. So when they need my type, they'll call me in. But I think I've only done four things for them. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, they, they have a pretty great organization. Um, I should probably submit things. I should be, I should be, you know, proactive and try to get things on there site because they're actually paying people right to do internet stuff you know so that's cool though so did you submit i a do lot? a lot of i do a lot of internet things where i'm not getting paid like what's like so some of them are they web <laughs> series are they just sketches or some are web series i'm on a series now uh which is on dave cross's new he's one of the producers on the new website um Wow, I'm gonna get it wrong. It's fkg.com or i'll look it up, um, I'll look it up real quick as we talk um and it's Land, oh boy! It's all right. I can't think of the title of the thing. See, that's what happens when you when you're on stuff. You don't pay attention. The only reason I remember the name of this show is because it's Cooper talking. It's me talking. Uh, that's the only uh, reason I know it. It's a parody of the Homeland uh, 24. Okay, kind of things. Um, oh, I swear it's called something Land, of course. So what do you, what kind of character do you play on that? Um, I play the Mandy Patankin character that's like on homeland okay on that show now do you watch or have you seen homeland and did you so do you know what the character's like or yeah the, yeah yeah okay i had watched homeland in fact um i watched the first three and got totally hooked and then couldn't find the other ones for free <laughs> don't you hate that that's like that's like yeah like with netflix you sit there and you go what the hell is this it's like you sit there and you're like okay i'm gonna watch this yeah and then like with breaking bad I'm sitting there and go, okay, I can catch up to this season. And I go, okay, then I'll parallel into this season. Right. Well, on demand. The problem with Charter is they only play like, they keep like four on demand. So I can watch up to 
the last season. Oh, sure. And start this one. But then I'm missing two. And for me, I'm like, I can't sit there and watch it and miss those two. Right. Luckily, I found out I can watch them on AMC online. But uh, then it's like, still, it's like, it's like, come on, man. Don't you hate that when you when you want to watch a show and then you can't find it for free? Oh, yeah. Like, no kidding. It's crazy. No kidding. We deserve everything for free. We do. I'm telling you. So, okay, now you're, you're in a band now. Now... Now, how did the band come about? I know it's a, you, 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 you have the background in drums, but after you got out of college, when's the last one? How long did you take from not playing drums, or when you were in high school, or whatever? When you stopped playing, when did you start playing drums again? It was a really long time. I mean, I got rid of my drums when I was in Boston because I felt like I was disturbing my house, my building mates too much right. in my apartment, <laughs> and um, didn't play in San Francisco that I could think of. So it was years, ten. 12, 15 years, somewhere in there. What made you pick it back up? Um, we started doing the Tomorrow Show, and um, we were just, the first shows we were just goofing around, and we decided we really kind of need a band or something. And uh, I said, well, we're a band. And Craig and Brendan kind of looked at me and said, yeah, what do you play? And I went, well, I, I play drums. And it, it is a bicycle thing where I I can pick it up again. Right. Um but at that point, I wasn't a great drummer. I hadn't played very much. But now I'm probably the best I've ever been because we've been playing so long. And it's I'm still not a great drummer, though. I'm still not a I'm not a technique drummer. I can't. I don't play certain riffs. I can't like play that way. I just I play kind of organically. Well, that's good. That's why, um, that's fine. Which is kind of the band anyway. But yeah. so who who's all in the band? Uh, the Tulsa Skull Swingers. Right. Uh, Craig Anton, guitar lead singer. Uh, Blaine Kapach, lead guitar, and Amit Idleman from the theater. Um, he runs the Trepany House, which is the Steve Allen Theater. He plays bass, and I play drums. And now you guys, I know you guys, I've seen Blaine post on Facebook. You guys play different gigs, different places. Yeah, we have, uh, Halloween is our big time, too. We're playing, like, the Halloween weekend. I think we're playing five nights in a row. Okay. Um, and I think we're playing at the Tomorrow Show. Now, what kind of music do you play? That's always a good question for me because I don't even I can't describe what it is. Is you it know? rockabilly um, or is it? No, it's um, it's surfy, garagey, cramps kind of stuff. I saw the cramps in Vegas years ago. I was living in Vegas and there was a show. It was like their their version of the uh, K Rock out here, and it was the cramps and Drama Rama and Sponge and Dada huh. and Linda Perry from Four Non Blondes. And the tickets were like ten bucks, and it was just wow. awesome because the wow. cramps were just cramps were oh, just yeah. crazy. Oh yeah, so yeah, so wow. so like, how do you have a big following? Do you guys have people sitting? Oh, we well, got- do have a following. It's kind of weird. It's a small following. Um, people do show up at the gigs. Um, when we play a gig, though, our like page goes crazy for some reason. Not for some reason, I guess, because we did a good gig. We play at the R Bar on Friday. What's the R Bar? The R bar is a very small, small bar that you still you give like a, a password at the door to get in. Okay, um, which is kind of silly because what do they do? Turn people away if they don't know the password? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, That's like the Magic Castle. Say the word. Well, if you don't do. know, if you don't know, oh, open know. Sesame, right. then they go, "Oh, you can't come in. We have your money. Uh, you don't have magic. Get the hell out of here." <laughs> uh, it's a pretty small place. They they do comedy there too. Blam blam blam. I've There's heard, a show there on Tuesdays. I don't even know. Is it every two weeks? I don't know. I, I've heard. Um, I've heard the show. I've heard. And that. they put a lot of comics on the show. It goes kind of all night. It's like the old timey comedy show that lasts for a while. Um, they have a great bar. Uh, Where's it at? Oh, good question. Is it um, in Hollywood? It's uh, if you take Normandy up to down south to Wilshire, 
across the way on Wilshire. It's called a Rolo, and then it's on Eighth. You make a okay. right on Eighth, and it's right there on the corner. So um, it's a small bar. So how does your does your band have room to set up? I mean, it must we, be very cramped. Um, yeah, and we used to uh, Blaine's wife uh, and her twin used to be our dancers and singers. They used to sing, but she just one of them just had a baby, and the other one is doing stuff on her own. So. Um, we had two uh, go-go dancers um, at the show. So it was the four of us and those two girls all on this stage, which is maybe half the size of this room. Okay, that's Um, that's small. It's small. It's pretty small. And the DJ's desk was also on the stage. So um, it was pretty tight. And all I I couldn't see the crowd because everybody's standing right in front of me. That's crazy. I could just see the two go-go dancers, which was fine. And uh, Blaine, I mean, and uh, Craig and... Uh, me playing bass, and then Blaine was right to my left. But it was pretty fun. It was a really fun gig. It was the most reaction from a crowd I think we've ever gotten. Everybody was dancing. And See, that's good. Now, do you guys write your own music? Or do you we do just covers? Did. Or? We just did. Just last week. I mean, but, we've been doing it. And last week, we came up with six new songs. And some of them we had been working on for a while. But we really just went. We're trying to record, I think, in a couple of months. Now, who writes it? Is it all? It's a group uh, thing. Like, who writes the music? Because you said you're not you're tac- you're not technically you're not technically sound with the drums. You're more organic. But so, are the other guys like? Did it, do you actually write out the things, or you just start jamming and say, "Let's go with this"? Yeah, we start like jamming and working out the song. Craig comes up with most of the songs, and Meat has written a few. Um, and uh, I mean, Craig brings most of the songs in. Uh, so yeah, we he we were just working it out. Blaine couldn't make rehearsals because he just had a baby. Right. So we rehearsed without him a couple of times and worked out the songs. And then he came in and threw in the lead guitar, and it just sounds so great. You just add, you know you work out exactly how the song is, and then Blaine comes in. That must be cool. It must be <clears> fun because <throat> it's like basically it's it's you you guys are actors and comics and the magi- musicians. Uh, it's 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 your band is sort of. You don't take it too serious. No, and that's we, what we are taking. It's getting. It gets a little more serious. More and more we play. You know? okay. It gets a little more serious about what we're doing with the band, and that's why we're trying to do original songs now because people are asking for CDs. You know, so people like your sound. People like the sound. Yeah. See, that's yeah. cool though. It's and cool. we wear costumes too, which I didn't say we wear. Okay, like, okay, what's some of the costumes you wear? Um, I basically wear like a, a kerchief and a, a mask thing that completes like a skull. Okay. Face, and then I wear sunglasses on top of that. Um, and Craig dresses up in a top hat thing with a skull mask. Um, wow, I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying all this because we're supposed to be like a secret band. Okay, well, they're not, they're, that's not them, guys. That's, uh, that's not them. That's, that's someone too else. Late. But we okay. wear masks basically at capes, and we're unrecognizable. But that's cool. So it's good. So you and you play. How long of a set you play? Like an hour? We can play an hour, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Now, you, you, do, do you do any, you don't do any comedy during it? Or is, do you guys have funny banter or? Yeah. I mean, there's funny stuff in the band, yeah. There's a couple of uh, surfy songs where Craig just recounts a, song, a, a story about it, and then I'll come in with the drum beat, and the song will start up again. You know, he'll, I'll try to hear what he's doing in the story and build up and build it up so that when he gets to a certain point, we go back into the chorus of the song. And then it goes back down again, and he completes the story. But he makes up a new story every time. See, that's cool, though. It's, that's, I, that's, I, I always love when musicians tell like stories. Like I'm a big Springsteen fan. I grew up in Springsteen. And I always love when he break into like that three-minute story. Yeah, right, and, right. And, and it's cool because they bring the house lights down. And it's just, 
stories just make it fun because when a band just goes up and play, 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 you're it's like, pretty great. Okay, you know, it's just, the stories are fun. Yeah, I saw Steely Dan and uh, uh, Becker just walked forward and just started talking this uh, while they were still kind of playing under him about uh, God. What was the song? Something about uh, tequila. Shot of tequila. Um, anyway, he just builds up the whole thing about meeting these girls and then going back to the room and then they go out and have a drink, blah, 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 and then uh, because he wanted to have a shot of tequila and they go right back into the song. See, that's and cool. It was pretty great. See, because I always, I, it's so funny, Steely Jan, I always like, my brother used to play Asia and that, and I, I always, I, I knew that album. Inside oh, yeah. Out, and yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he even had the eight track in his car and I would hear it. Uh, and I, for me, I would always think if you saw Steely Dan live, I just think it was probably. I, I was always thinking the songs are great, but they just seem like two guys that would just like stand there. But it's cool that you say they actually talk. No, it's a great band. It was a great band, man. The great. drummer was insane. He was one of the best drummers I've ever seen. Who uh, are some of the drummers you like? Like rock and roll drummers. I mean, like you ever always goes Neil Peart and people go Keith Moon, and we always like the guy from. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult because he would play the solo live from Godzilla uh-huh. and he had the mask uh-huh. on his head and the lights and he'd be drumming for like 10-15 minutes and that was amazing to right. us. Right. Yeah, that kind of stuff is pretty fun. I mean, I don't know. I, I That's a tough, it it's, shouldn't be a tough question because I should already kind of know the answer to that but um, I do like Keith Moon. Okay. Um, I do like kind of sloppy drummers a little bit because um, that's kind of what I am but um, uh, wow. Wow. I just remember Ainsley Dunbar also in the old days used to play for the mothers and would play for, like, he was a studio guy that played for a lot of people. And I could always kind of tell when he was playing. So you could, you could hear, um, you knew his, his beats. But that kind of defines me also as a drummer in that a, a drummer that plays specific things would know more drummers, and I don't know more drummers. Now, do you guys ever have people, have people from bands showing up to see you? Like the, the like people, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm sure, I'm sure like when you guys perform, I'm sure, you know, different comics show up and different stuff, people you know, but do people yeah. from bands ever go up and say, hey, we heard this band's really hip just to check you out? I don't think so. I can't remember that'd be cool. anything like that, yeah. Because it seems like a very underground cool Guys that vibe. are in bands, though, talk to us after the show. Okay. Uh, with that note, because there was a guy sitting at the bar, at the R bar, and he said, hey, man, you guys are great. I play guitar, and... I have kind of a similar sound, but it's just you guys are just what a great show. That's cool because we put on we put on a show too, and there is some comedy. Blaine, if there's like a dead point or if a wire breaks and we have to fix something, Blaine will just launch into the comedy. You know, okay, he'll launch into some stand-up stuff. I was flipping the TV around the other night, and it was uh, Grand Chef Masters, and they did it from a. They were at the Lucha, whatever the. Oh show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm watching. I'm seeing Blaine on the Bravo channel, like on this cooking show. But as you as the MC, it was just so funny when you see. Oh that. wow! Because I'm sitting there and I go, and I'm just flipping, it and I go, I'm so. And I saw actually when I was flying one time, I saw that Grand Chef Master. It's a pretty good show. Uh-huh. And uh, then it's like they're at. I know Blaine had hosted that, but then all of a sudden you see, you know, he's like, I hear a joke, and I go, God, that voice sounds familiar. They're doing a know, segment at the show. Yeah, they're like they have a they they go to see the show and I guess they cooked for the audience or they cooked for the rest. I don't know, I don't know what wow. they did. But then I was I turned it because Blaine was on. I was like cracking up. I was like it was funny. It was just weird to see on a reality show. It's that just, is such a great show. It's just a crazy. If you if you like new things, man, the Lucha Vavum shows are great. You know, um, have you ever been there to that? No, show? No, I've, I've, I've heard it. It's it's a combination of Mexican wrestling and burlesque. Okay, um, and. Blaine's wife and her twin used to wrestled uh, the first time I went, and I was blown away because they're they're not that big, but they were throwing each other and That's they were funny. throwing other people because like, they're learning all the holds and everything. And 
and there's guys in Mex- the masks, and you know, it's just great. It's a, I love that that whole that whole like you know, Mexican wrestling because it's just the lucha libre and the guys like they're legendary and they have the masks and it's just yeah. it's like it's just funny, you know. It's like here <laughs> like people wouldn't couldn't really do masks because they lose the endorsement deals, you know. It's like it's like that's true. <laughs> it's like oh look at this guy like there was a guy named Mills Mascaris in Mexico who was like this big when I was a kid big wrestler. Everyone in Mexico knew who he was. It was uh-huh. crazy. And they knew his mask. Yeah, they, knew, yeah, they yeah, had yeah. the design mask. So we only have about- one night before we leave. That one night, Blaine. Um, actually, no, this happened a couple of times. Um, where I was just backstage, and uh, I said, "Blaine, why don't you introduce me as the owner of the Mayan?" So he goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a very special guest tonight. Let's bring out. He's the owner of the Mayan Theater, Ron Mayan, and he brings <laughs> me out." And I just wave at everybody, and people <laughs> applaud like crazy. And the show's over, and we're downstairs at a party, and the guy, this guy comes up to me and goes, uh, hey, I just want to say I work in security, and um, I'm wondering if I could possibly get a job here at this theater. And um, I just moved here. I worked so-and-so and so-and-so. And he said, how do, I, how do I get a job here? And I said, well, I'm not really the guy to talk to, believe it or not. He said, said you've got to come by tomorrow and just come by the box office like about six o'clock or something. Make sure they're open. Call up. Like I didn't screw the guy over. I just right. said, make sure you come and and that that is how you would apply for a job. Yeah, yeah, I, so I didn't say anything wrong. And, and he walks away. One of the girls comes over and goes, Ron, how could you do that to him? But I said I told him how to apply for a job. That's, that's all funny. I did. <laughs> but yeah, I've had people like walk up to me in the crowd and go, Hey man, I love your club. See, that's awesome though. <laughs> but, but yeah, you look you look like a club owner. Uh, you yeah. got the mustache. You got the look. You know, you got the yeah. rock and roll. We have about three I love minutes. That. Have, oh, okay. We have about three. See, flies oh, past. Can you we throw at... away that show? That story I just told? I'm kidding. No, did you have anything you want to promote or anything or you want to talk about? No, or? just the tomorrow show, man. I mean, come over to the show. It's great. Uh, we have a, a great show every Saturday at midnight at the Steve Allen Theater, you know. And if you're listening to this, you're a midnight person. Exactly. Uh, is, is there any <laughs> uh, any um, TV gigs coming up? I No. No? Nope. No? Not that I can think of. How, but not pro- that I know the schedule of. The improv. When are you, you going to be there again? I do not know, but look for me headlining there in I think November. That's what they're talking about. Now, when you headline, is it is okay? Are they like a the old school comedy club where the headliner does forty five minutes, or is it where you have like six acts and the headliner does twenty minutes? It's very weird. It's out more here. like that. It's more like they you get somebody to host the show. I always thought you would host the show because that's what I would be impulsive. I could I could host if I wanted to, but you have somebody host the show, and then you have I think three other acts, and then you. Because the show has to be over like in an hour and a half, I think. Okay, no, because it used to be in the old days, it was like the host would do 20, yeah, the, feature would do 30, headline yeah, the would do headliner does like, to an hour, yeah. Right. Yeah. So do you like doing a longer set? Does, do you really find yourself on stage when you do a longer set? Um, it's fun. I haven't done it in ages. I occasionally do a solo show at the Steve Allen. Actually, speaking of which, at the Steve Allen, I'm going to be starting doing my own show uh, at an 8 o'clock spot. Um, starting next month, I forgot about that. But yeah, I'm doing a solo show at the Steve Allen. And it's up. it's just how long is how long will we be on stage on your solo it show? It'll be about an hour and fifteen, something like that. And what can people expect to see? Um, all of my bits and then new stuff. I mean, I do all my characters. I do. Uh, um, I'm well. I'm known for this like animatronic comedian thing that I do. Okay. Like a Disney takeoff, as if there was a com- a comic. Um, Pavilion at the Disney World in the future, and comedy okay. comedy's dead. It's pretty fun. Cool. Well, we gotta go then. You gotta you get people go check that out. I want to thank you. It was fun, Ron. I, yes, Steve. I, it's, it's, thank it's you. Good. It was it's really always, fun. I always it's it was the very friends easy. with people on Facebook, and then you you meet them, and you know. Anyway, I want to thank people. Ron Lynch. Do you have a website? Do you tweet? Do you tweet? I do not have a website. You can find me on Facebook. Facebook. Ron yeah. Lynch. Check him out, tweet, people. I tweeter. What's I'm your Ron Lynch one? Go listen to. 
at Ron Lynch Fun. Also, follow me, people, at Cooper Talk, at Cooper Talk. And also, you can go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have about 180 episodes up there. Also, if you go to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Cooper Talk, one word, and you get the same episodes that are on my website, but you can listen to them when you know. On, you know, you can listen to them on your iPad and all that stuff. It's At a lot your leisure. Exactly. That's what I say. And also, uh, Friday, um, what is it? It's uh, September 27th. I'll be at the Marlton Comedy Cabaret. Be my last uh, appearance back east because uh, my girlfriend's moving out, so I'm going to be here all the time. And also, send me an email, kubertindy100.com, and you can listen to me usually Thursday nights at midnight our time on uh, Big Daddy Grand Sports Radio, W94. WIP Philadelphia. So anyway, I want to thank you for listening. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Remember, drink your water, eat your veggies, and take your vitamins. Have a good day.